I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We're sorry, the number you have dialed is not in service at this time. Hello and welcome to a spooktacular edition of the World Cricket Show, the world's most spooktacular cricket show. My name is Adam Bateful and I'll be your guide through this terrifying Halloween special and the stomach-turning vision before mine eyes is the one they call Tony Kerr. Hey, I don't really do days apart from Christmas. What do you mean? No, I just, I, like, I don't know, Halloween, I just can't get into Halloween. We've probably had this conversation you were saying before about the anniversary we're about to reach so creeping maybe we'll, up on an we'll anniversary keep, we'll keep we'll keep people in suspense as what that might be <laughs> and how we're going to celebrate it well i'd say this is a terrifying halloween special i said to you just before we started recording how many years we've been doing this we're coming up on an anniversary how many years we've been doing the world Creek show and i think you are terrified by that number yeah that's all i need really i don't need any uh any of your horror movies or scarily bad jokes so you're not into halloween no so if I were to say to you, happy Halloween, you're not really interested. I'd just be like, Neh. Well, you say this to him, but you, you're sitting there in a full vampire costume, so <laughs> you can't be that down I, I don't it. know. I just, yeah. I, no, not for me. That, that, was, you know, that was corporate mandated, wasn't it, that we, that we come in costumes yeah. for this episode. You did it under duress, against your will. But yeah. you did it. You're a company man through and through. And if, you know, if corporate tell you, You've got to wear a Halloween costume. You'll come in a Halloween costume. The white makeup, the fangs, the cape. It's hot. It's a good effort. I just think it's a very messy uh, holiday. If it is, a ho- if you can call it a holiday, is it a holiday? Well, it's not literally a holiday, is it? But it's just it's just messy. You know, it's n- like at least with Christmas, most people have got it off, so it, it sort of makes sense. Whereas Halloween, like you know, it could fall on any day. No one's actually got it off. Like some people sort of go on this, like you know, just kind of bleak pub crawls on a, on the weekend either side, and I don't know. It's just not for me. So you're saying you, you want like four days off for Halloween? I mean, if you're gonna make, yeah, if you're gonna go all in, give us a day off, and then uh, and then everyone can mark it in the same. You know, I'd get dressed up for a day off for sure. We've well, got dressed up for this. <laughs> Well, no, I know what you mean. But it's not its not supposed to be like a everyone goes home and spends time with their families on Halloween. It's just supposed to be a bit of fun, mate. I know you don't like fun. I do, but... Well, yeah, I know. It's the last thing I, I want to see anyone having. Uh, I don't know. I just, you know, summer's barely finished. We've got Christmas coming up. Let's just, can we just leave October, <laughs> the end of October uncluttered? Because then you're straight into bonfire night and people are like, you know, it's all this stuff that people have to do let's all just get our it's heads just, down exactly and do some bloody work just work that's, that's work, your, work work until christmas that's your view isn't yeah. it yeah of course it'll be uh, christmas before we know it time won't it uh, exactly seeing the uh, mince pies are on the shelves in the uh, supermarkets you know it's that gets earlier every year doesn't it oh all right well you ready for this it's nine forty on a tuesday night um which is a perfect time to launch into an hour or so 
of podcasting. I'm feeling pretty knackered though, Tony, because I uh, we record this in your flat. Uh, so I drove down and parked. I mean, the the parking here. I just have to park in the the big kind of town car park across the road, and then I had to carry the podcast equipment. We've just got a new box to put all our microphones and stuff Great in. Great chat, this. <laughs> but, well, I would, it's been the highlight of my week was getting this box. To be fair to you, uh, it's quite a long box. Uh, you did you did well to carry it. <laughs> That's the the important weather is long. Yeah, it's a very long box. It's not even it's more, a particularly big box, it's just a long box, because you've got to put all these microphone arms and stuff in it. Yeah, I'd describe it more as a trunk. It was, it was trunk-shaped, anyway. But I just made a catastrophic error in thinking, like, oh, I'll just go, instead of pulling up outside your flat and, like, getting you to come down and get everything, I was like, nah, I'll be fine, I'll just, I'll just, I'll just carry it. I wouldn't have done that anyway. Over the road. <laughs> <laughs> I'll just carry it over the road. Within three metres, I realised I'd made a huge mistake. It took you a frustratingly long time to let me in well yeah, I just thought, yeah. I, i've actually been spotted you're we, watching bake off yeah you know we, we've sort of ferried this equipment back and forth a few times to different sort of recording locations uh but the secret location yeah, yeah exactly we don't like anyone to know where we're gonna our be. itinerary yeah we could be at any one of about five recording locations and we don't tell anyone apart <laughs> from uh, yeah it's a need to know basis too, isn't it? too many fans uh but yeah the boxes that we've got Kind of people, you know, I've bumped into people, you know, other residents of the block, you know, and they'll be like, oh, like, yeah, oh, what, what, yeah, what are you up to? You, you you got a little band or something? And they sort of look quite excited. And I'm like, no, just recording a cricket podcast. And they're like, oh, no further questions necessary. Just scurry off. Very few people want to get stuck in a stop and chat about cricket podcasting, as I've discovered, except for you. So, <laughs> And we've been doing it for X number of years. Exactly. Uh, well, we've got lots of cricket to talk about tonight, Tane. I bet you're glad I'm here and that I managed to carry this box over the road. Loads of cricket. We've got a test series on our hands in Sri Lanka. Uh, so a full preview of that is going to be exploding into your ears very shortly. Also coming up tonight, Australia's cultural review uh, and some fellow you may have heard of called Virat Kohli. You look like you're about to say something there. You got something to say, Tony? I if you've got something to say, say it to my face. <laughs> no, I'm just thinking like, you know, Australia's cultural review does sound like a sort of, you know, quarterly magazine, <laughs> doesn't it? Rather than a damning indictment of a sporting situation. Yeah, it's like something you'd flick through at a dentist. Yeah, exactly. Um, Some good stuff in there. So yeah, plenty to talk about tonight. Um, and hopefully you'll be able to concentrate on it this time. As well, too, because... Uh, <laughs> I thought you were going to say contribute. <laughs> well, well, that too. Yeah, Because uh, you're, you're not scrabbling around this time trying to do the homework that you hadn't done before the lesson. Uh, no composite 11s for you to compile. No. Uh, so you should be able to pay attention uh, while I'm rabbiting on. Uh, all right, well, let's, uh, let's kick things off in Sri Lanka. Uh, well, before we get into this big test series preview, I thought we could maybe start with a, a very quick look back at the... ODI series, which came to an end last week. We talked about the first few ODIs on the last show, and at that point it seemed as though England were going to win the series, and they did, uh, but it did finish on a bit of a sour note from an English perspective. The fifth and final ODI again was affected by rain, uh, but it still ended in a mammoth defeat for England. It was actually England's heaviest ever ODI defeat by runs. So Sri Lanka smashed 366 for six with runs for Dick Weller and Chandimal. England were then four for three 
Uh, and it didn't get much better from there. They were 132 for nine when the rain came down. And unsurprisingly, they were some way short of the Duckworth Lewis target. So that, yeah, that was their, their biggest ever defeat. So in, in, you know, they won the series 3-1, uh, but that was such a big defeat uh, that in, in the wake of that, there have been a few kind of ripples of, of panic spreading amongst some percentage of England fans and in the media, fueled at least in part by Trevor Palis, the coach who was very critical in the aftermath of his own team. So, the, you know, this, the the view being something along the lines of, well, you know, England might be top of the rankings, but when they can produce a performance that bad, you know, are they really that good? So what's your view tone? How hard are you panicking? Actually, before you answer that, I should say, I'm burying the lead here. I should have mentioned that you've been celebrating this week because you got a prediction right. You correctly predicted... The scoreline of this series, 3-1. You said 3-1 it was. Yeah, it's probably the first one I've got right for a while, to be fair. So I may as well enjoy it. You haven't stopped going on about it. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's interesting, isn't it? I mean, yeah, it's pretty surprising given how good England have been in ODIs in the last couple of years that yeah, that they've just recorded, as you say, the worst uh, or the heaviest defeat in history, which is you know, slightly not mystifying isn't the right word but you know I, I don't think there's any cause for real panic it, it's been a an odd series hasn't it? it's obviously been so stop start England's players have actually been praised for handling the conditions and handling the you know the back and forth and the, the sort of match situations now yeah clearly the the batting just kind of failed up top didn't it you know it was, it was a, a big score that Shranka managed to get on the board I don't know I don't think there's that much you can really read into it uh you know there are obviously talented players in the Sri Lanka team on home soil. You know, it was going to come off at some point for them. Well, it would have been interesting to see maybe if Sri Lanka had been able to put those kind of scores on the board earlier in a maybe an unrain affected series. You know, just how England would have got on uh, in the batting. Yeah, obviously a disappointing way to end. But then uh, you go into that uh, uh, the the T Twenty match and, and England won that fairly comfortably. So. Yeah, in terms of the limited overs series, they finished it well, and I think we all move on. Yeah, I agree with that. I, I just really don't think it's worth getting that het up about it, and I, I've been slightly puzzled by some of the reaction because yeah, it was it was a poor, it was a poor performance to be sure, but it was firstly a dead rubber with a lot of changes in the team. When then you know Owen Morgan sat it out, a lot of players like Liam Plunkett coming in for their first appearance on a cricket field for quite a few weeks. And as you say, the fact that they just come back in the T20, brush it off and produce another great performance and win comprehensively, albeit in a different format, but mostly the same team. Uh, and yeah, and they, they won the other games in the series very comprehensively, won the series. It's what then the ninth consecutive bilateral ODI series, apart from the, the one-off game against Scotland that they've won. So yeah, it did strike me as something of an overreaction from Payless and from, from some quarters to be sort of starting to worry that this team isn't as good as we think it is because it it was a fairly meaningless game in the scheme of things. And there's this, as as you often bring up, you know, there's just always, it so quickly falls back into the like, oh, same old England, here we go. You know, it's, this is such a different team to the team we've seen in the past that it does seem weird uh, yeah, I mean, to I, get too animated about it. I think undoubtedly there's, you know, there's no room for complacency mm. uh, for want of a better kind of, you know, cliche, you know, there, there aren't that many more uh, ODIs, as we said last time, you know, bef- between now and the World Cup. What are the, there's five it's, in the West Yeah, Indies? just the, the series in the Caribbean, isn't it? Yeah, and then, uh, well, I think there's one 
Oh, no, there's a few against Pakistan, aren't there? Yeah, it's just the series in the Caribbean and then a few against Pakistan. <laughs> and there's one against Ireland too. Yeah, it's just the series in the Caribbean and a few against Pakistan and one against Ireland. Yeah, and, there's, uh, and then we're into the World Cup. Uh, which, and you know, there's going to be, well, I mean, to be fair, as we, we, we say, there's not that many games to go. There's quite a lot of games in the World Cup before <laughs> yeah, England true. actually need to win. That's a good point. <laughs> so they've got quite a long time to either play themselves out for more. They've got six things. months of World Cup uh, <laughs> before they have to actually win a game um but it but it got to the point actually that you know we we talked about it on either the show last show or the show before or at some point over the last yeah x number of the, years. The, that whole kind of theoretical question that came up that morgan got asked is whether he would drop himself if he found himself out of form mm. it kind of you know in retrospect kind of speaks a bit to a lack of things to speak about in terms of england odi criticism uh everyone kind of ran out of stuff to talk about because it was just like oh they're good, aren't they? That's all we're hearing. Yeah, no, that that's true. Although, actually, th- this game and this performance does maybe underline what we were saying last time in relation to that conversation that Owen Morgan is so important and he has had his critics. And I, I agree that that was maybe that came up because there wasn't a lot else to talk about. But some people have said in the past that Morgan should stand aside because he's not one of the best five or six ODI batsmen anymore. But, you know, you, you see the way that England behaved on the field apart from anything else and that was actually what Bayliss was most critical of was the attitude on the field and they were sort of uh, arguing with each other and you know uh, Morgan is just such a cool head such a calm presence and I just really think he has to play almost regardless of his form I mean yeah if he's you know if he's not scored a run uh, for any of the sort of eight months of the World Cup uh, coming into the semi-final it might be different but assuming he's got at least some form I just think you really can't leave him out. I like, so as I say, I, I'm, I really don't think there's any reason to be worried about this one performance in the same way that when England lost to Scotland, albeit with a, you know, that was a close run chase. It was a decent bef- batting performance by England. But people were saying, oh God, if England are going to lose to Scotland, are they really favourites of the World Cup? And then they carried serenely on after that. I don't think there's any reason to get too alarmed, except there is just a slight nagging doubt at the back of my mind as I'm saying these words, because this is not the first time actually that we've seen something like this from this England team. This is their worst defeat ever, but they have had they've they've had some other collapses like this and some other occasions where they've been bowled up really cheaply. In fact, didn't you go to a game last summer where they yeah. were what, like twenty one for six or something? Yeah, uh Lords, South Africa. It was it was the only game well, I've seen a game of cricket I've seen for a little while. <laughs> Uh, and it was over within 15 minutes, which was slightly <laughs> annoying, given that, yeah, as we say, yeah, this England team had been putting on spectacular shows for mm. kind of months and years before. So that's maybe something, the fact that that game happened and that there have been one or two other occasions where something like this has happened is a reason, I suppose, to be a little bit worried. But I, do, I think it's a, it's just an inevitable consequence of the way they play. It's the fact that they play this kind of, attacking fearless brand of cricket or of batting it does mean that when it goes wrong sometimes it goes very very wrong and actually that's a reason to not be too critical or or why I don't want the criticism to be too loud where I'm I'm slightly um, troubled by the fact that people have been critical because I really don't want them to rein it in you know if they listen to the criticism and think oh yeah well maybe we should maybe we should have tried to keep wickets in hand at the start of that chase like that's just absolutely not the way that England have played over the last few years and the way that they should play. I'm sure that won't be the case. I hope it's not. But I guess, yeah, just sort of cross your fingers, Tone, that this that one of these performances 
that this doesn't happen in a World Cup semi-final, I guess. That's the nightmare scenario, isn't it? That after this whole four-year cycle that you get this performance in the semi-final rather than, you know, the 90% of other ones. All right, well, let's uh, let's turn our attention now, Tone, to the test series, which uh, gets underway on Tuesday, the 6th of November. There's three tests in this series in Gaul, Candy and Colombo. Uh, we're going to go through the two sides and make our predictions uh, in a moment. But my first question for you, Tone, is how excited are you for this <laughs> series? I always like to try and measure your excitement level. Where, where's the uh, where's the needle on the on the curometer coming uh, into this series? Yeah, uh, moderate. I mean, it's relatively low key. Isn't are you it? more Let's excited about this series than you are about Halloween? Uh, yeah, hundred percent. It's it's probably more interesting than exciting because there are obviously sort of, you know a few a couple of new faces in there. Uh, it'd be really interesting to see how Burns goes. There there are question marks here, there, and everywhere. In, interesting, maybe rather than exciting. You just like everything's just a downer with you, Tony. No, isn't not it? at all. Just, <laughs> I think it's that vampire costume you're wearing. It's just really not doing any favors. It's really bringing your mood down. You sent me an agenda uh, earlier or yesterday for the for tonight. Mm-hmm a little bit lifting the lid on the you know the production effort that goes in here but one of the questions is what do you know about sri lanka when i read that my first, the first thing i thought was like oh, that's quite good for whale watching <laughs> but i don't know if that's what you're getting at well you knew a lot about the climate on the last show so maybe you could bring some more insights into the demography and uh topography perhaps yeah all the geographies well i'm looking forward to it too and i'm yeah as you say maybe excited is the wrong word but you know i i, I really enjoy cricket in Sri Lanka you know it's uh, it's a great country great cricket grounds uh, and there's been really good cricket on on some of England's tours in the past a couple of good test matches there in 2012 and as we said a little while ago it has been a long time since England played a test series in Sri Lanka it is six and a half years since that series in 2012 so from that point of view it's uh, you know it's, it's a little bit of a novelty in some ways compared to you know it's it's not another ashes or whatever um and also, if you look at the teams, that you, you see two flawed teams. You might even say two extremely flawed teams. But actually, that might make for a cracking series. You know, it, it, it might be the case that um, there's sort of comparable weaknesses that, that make for quite a good contest. I guess you just got to hope the weather improves. That's the main thing. Starting with England, something that's particularly striking when you look at their squad is obviously the, the gaping absence of, of one of their batting stalwarts david milan not in the squad <laughs> no it's uh it's the it's the first series time without alistair cook obviously for 13 years it was the the tour of pakistan in 2005 was the last time that alistair cook was not in an england squad um so yeah who was in the team then triscothic garrett jones hoggard ashley giles these sorts of names so that is a long time it's quite strange isn't it the opening batsman therefore is going to be a, a new opening partnership potentially two new opening batsmen in the side they're really going to be in the spotlight are you looking forward to seeing how Rory Burns gets on I'm kind of assuming he's going to play yeah I think it sounds like that doesn't it I mean who who would play well Jennings might keep his place and potentially Denley or they could open with Moeen even I don't Stokes, know. I think would... Stokes has been mentioned as someone who could open <sighs> yeah no I think it would be well, I think you've got to play Burns at this point yeah, given all the talk and you know, obviously his form in county cricket over the last few years, and then particularly this year as well, and, and you know, in England are desperate, you know, crying out for someone 
uh, to nail down an opening. Well, I say to nail down the opening spot, but now to nail down both opening spots. It's all up for grabs, isn't it? Mm. And that is exciting. Uh, oh, here we go. <laughs> it is exciting, isn't it, though? <laughs> and, you know, potentially, Bur- you know, you don't want to get too far ahead of yourself but you know potentially burns is the right sort of player maybe to to put you know marker down for you know the next three or four years wow. uh yeah if he can get it right i mean it's 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 probably a good place to start isn't it it's it's different but as you say you know we're not we're not talking about the most terrifying bowling attack on the planet yeah it could be a good way in but then you know you look what's around the corner and ashes next year you know england haven't got a lot of time to to find uh, to find out what's going to work. Well, yeah, and it, it's going to be trial by spin very much, isn't it? And the same could be the case in the Caribbean, which, you know, this is a separate conversation, but is, is a is a sad thing that that's the case now, to me at least. Um, and then the next test series is the home ashes. So actually that's going to be a very different challenge. And I hate to say it, but how much will we learn uh, about Rory Burns this winter, you know, that you can then take into that home ashes? I don't know, but I suppose... All you can do, or I say all you can do, all he can do is score runs mm. against the bowlers that he's faced with and get used to playing at this level uh, under this kind of scrutiny. Um, and yeah, if he's opening with potentially with Denley, like that brand new partnership, two brand new guys at the top of the order, you know, I, I think that is something to be excited about, Tone. I'm going to try and win you over in the next 10 minutes. I mean, or so. potentially, so psychologically, you know, it's it's probably been you know, quite tough for, for people to come in and bat along, you know, you walk out alongside Kirk on your debut and it's probably, you know, touch intimidating. You know, the fact, you, yeah, as you say, you've got, got a brand new opening partnership or, you know, if, if Jennings gets the nod, someone who's still pretty fresh uh, on the scene. Yeah, maybe slightly less intimidating and an opportunity to kind of forge a new way forward rather than being not maybe in awe of Kirk, but mm. feeling like, the, the pressure there's a slightly different pressure it's an interesting question actually isn't it is so many england openers have failed since the retirement of strauss the one common denominator is that they were all batting with cook is it a coincidence or is it actually difficult to bat with cook he obviously made a you know he was obviously hugely successful forged a hugely successful partnership with andrew strauss but he was the junior partner in that or at least started as the junior partner He's like no batsman has come into that opening partnership and been successful. Is it because it's quite difficult to bat with Cook? I, I don't know why that would be. He's not a particularly intimidating <laughs> guy, is he? Uh, but is there something the evil? Is there something about the way he bats? The fact that he's quite slow. I don't know. I, I'm not convinced. Yeah, I'm not that convinced is there the is a cause and link, whatever the expression is. Yeah, uh, but but it's just, it's a completely new dynamic now, isn't it? And that you know that's something to look out for. Yeah, it could be just the change, you know, England's top order need. As you say, it's like there's a lot up in the air or there's a lot of uncertainty around the makeup of the England team, like the opening partnership, but also throughout the lineup, really, certainly the batting order. I think we, we know quite a few of the names in the 11, but we don't necessarily know what order they're going to bat in. Will Moeen bat three or will he bat eight? Stokes and Butler could bat at four or five or they could be batting at seven it's a pretty fluid situation so we really don't know the batting order and there are quite a few spots in the team up for grabs as well quite a few names who we don't necessarily know there's a there's one significant injury doubt as well johnny bairstow injured himself playing football while warming up for one of the odis so this has sparked a bit of a debate about whether the players should be playing football in the warm-up or whether it's too risky what do you think tone 
I think crack on, you know, let them do kind of what they want to do or whatever's, you know, most relaxing. Because yeah, uh, they love it, don't they? Yeah, they do. And, I, you know, I, obviously it's not what they're going to be doing for the rest of the day. You know, things can happen. Accidents do happen. Uh, you know, remember when Ben McGrath trod on the cricket ball and turned his ankle in that 2005 Ashes? You know, what are you saying? Like, don't have any cricket balls out in the warm up. I don't know. It, it, yeah. yeah. Uh, but but having said that, I mean, it, the, maybe they just need to ease up a little bit on the football. Yes. I mean, who knows what caused this injury, but they they do seem to take it very seriously. And so whether people are kind of flying into challenges, like sort of over committing in some ways, and that, that might not be so great. And actually, as we talked about before in other contexts, like football is the kind of sport where you do kind of lose yourself as you're playing so it's not like playing golf or something obviously it's you know it was physically very different but you don't you aren't really like operating in the same way mentally are you you're, you're in the zone uh, and if if the ball's there to be won you might well do something that you come to regret so but yeah I don't know what the specific circumstances were around the Bearstow injury but yeah I, 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 I don't think it makes sense to stop them doing that no. if they it it actually doesn't happen that often, does it? it? It doesn't look great when it does happen, but considering they warm up with a game of football before every match, it's not that frequent, is it, that we see an injury like this? So, yeah, if it if they love it as much as they appear to do, and it does help with the team camaraderie and everything, I just I don't really see the the, the there's enough of a reason to to stop doing it, at least not yet. So yeah, best they may not play at least in the first test. Ben Folks has flown out to join the squad, but Root has said that Butler will probably take the gloves if Bairstow is ruled out. I think that does make sense because obviously like England have had at least two wicketkeepers in the team for a while, so it makes sense to just give the other one a go. But it's a bit of a shame in a way because I would quite like to see Folks get a go at Test cricket. You know, he's clearly a very good gloveman and some people think he's one of the best, if not the best gloveman in the world at the moment but he's also got an excellent record with the bat in first class cricket and he might actually be quite a good addition to England's batting which as we know has been quite fragile lately so I, I, th- I would like to see him get a go at some point and if not now when given that England do have two wicket cubes in the team most of the time in terms of the bowling a lot's going to be riding on on the, on the spin twins Moeen Ali and, and Adil Rashid might be another reason to play Joe Denley or you know it might be that he that Denley does play to sort of give them support but then it could be that Jack Leach plays as well and might go in with three uh, frontline spinners Moeen as we know had quite a dismal winter last year but he was back in the side over the as summer we know so cutting <laughs> he was I mean what do you think Tony do you, do you, do you expect Moeen to, to carry on that form from the summer or revert to the mean in terms of his uh, away record because this is the crucial point is there's actually, a, if you look at his career record, there's a 22-run gap between his bowling average at home and away from home. I think he averages 31 at home and 53 away, which is slightly surprising. I mean, yeah, part of that is because he's got such a bad record in Australia. Um, but, you know, you, there can't be many spin bowlers who have a better record in England than anywhere else and certainly not that much better. Yeah, I, you know, and this would be you know, good opportunity to to start bringing those numbers a bit closer together. I'd back him to to make an impact here. I, yeah, I, I think it's it'd be, be harsh to uh, to be too judgmental right now. Let's let's wait and see till the end of the series. It's a cop out answer, but <laughs> that's what you're here for, exactly. And Rashid, 
Uh, yeah, I think he has to play. Because he obviously, like, there's a lot of controversy about his selection in the summer, given that he doesn't play Red Bull cricket for Yorkshire anymore. But he's been, he's he's had such a superb year in White Ball cricket. It was, it was absolutely brilliant in the ODIs. Again, what was it? Three wickets in the T20. Was it like three for... Three for 11, Three I think. for 11 in four overs. I mean, there's an argument that he's the best white ball spinner in the world at the moment. And that's that's a big statement because it's a crowded field and, you know, you know I'm suddenly remembering Rashid Khan. Yeah, yeah. But Adil Rashid can't be too far behind. But can he have that kind of effect with the red ball? What do you think? They're going to play, go with three spinners? I mean, there's been a bit of chat today about Broad being the one to make way. And again, you know, we've talked about it before, but some people saying, well, you know, Stuart Broad hasn't been dropped since X years ago. But I don't think it would be big dropped. You know, it's just that he would be the one to make way if England wanted to go down that route. Uh, and, you know, whatever happens to, to Broad in this series or over the winter, you'd still think Broad is going to be in that team uh, for next year's Ashes. So, you know, it's just horses for courses, isn't it? Yeah, that you could see it maybe as like squad rotation, perhaps. But then it's not quite that, is it? It's just, as you say, it's that you look at this particular set of circumstances, the conditions and everything else, and you think, actually, there's no point playing four seamers. And Broad is the one, Broad is the most sensible one to leave out on this occasion. It doesn't mean that he's been capital D dropped. Broad's actually got a decent record in Asia, and he's been instrumental in some good England bowling performances in Asia but you know but Anderson's got a better one and I can definitely see the case for only playing one of the two because as we talked about before you know as we talked about a lot lately the whole like oh what have we learned or like that this series is only relevant or interesting because it's a guide to future things but I think it does make sense to play Sam Curran or like it wouldn't make sense to play Broad and not Sam Curran because we do need to know how Sam Curran does in these sorts of conditions like he was brilliant this summer but that was in England with the ball swinging can he do it somewhere like this so yeah but it could be that he sits out of the first test comes back in for the second I mean yeah we'll we'll see I you know I I, I would I'd be tempted to just play as many spinners as possible because I think it 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 does seem like they're going to be doing a lot of bowling as for Sri Lanka I mean this is probably not the most experienced or most high quality Sri Lanka team that's ever taken to the field that maybe lacking a few sort of heavyweight names you know you think about Sri Lanka teams in the past certainly when England were there in 2012 when they've come to England uh, in the last few years there were always two or three superstars to help carry the others if need be and uh, you know you don't want to dwell on it but it, it is really noticeable now that those superstar names aren't really there I mean there are a few players in the team who could one day become that or you know could be on the road to, to becoming something like that Kusal Mendes I think is is a tremendously talented batsman you know a couple of years ago kind of announced himself with that 176 against Australia that he hasn't quite delivered from then it's not that talent that he has not necessarily translating into raw numbers at the moment and he's he's, he's had a you know he's in a bit of a desperate trot in uh, in white ball cricket didn't have a great series against England. Two ducks in two games at the Asia Cup, kind of epitomising that tournament for Sri Lanka. And, and you know, people were saying perhaps he should have a rest as a result. But, you know, he's got so much potential that you you do think that he's going to deliver eventually. There are still a couple of experienced names knocking about, you know, sort of superstar names. Angelo Matthews, 
is one. He's fallen out with the Sri Lanka cricket board, but he is in the squad. The biggest name of the lot, maybe, is Rangana Herath. Uh, but sadly, saying that the first test in Ghoul will be his last. He's not even going to make it to the end of the series. It's this game and out. He's retiring, Tone. Which is sad news, isn't it? Yeah, for sure. I mean, he is knocking on a bit, isn't he? I mean, we're knocking on a bit. But he's sure. knocking on but even he more. Is, uh, yeah, he's, he's 40 now. Uh, yeah, it is sad because he's, he's, he's such a... It's sad that he's 14. <laughs> yeah. It's disgusting, isn't it? It's all very sad. Uh, but yeah, he's, he's, he's a very likeable cricketer to watch. Uh, but also just he's got... He occupies such a niche space within the cricketing universe, particularly in 2018, you know, with the sort of you know the big lads, the big upper body bruises, and all that. You know, he's he's just a bit of a sort of, you know, trundles in and, and and that obviously sweeps up tons of wickets. But yeah, a bit of a throwback. Well, yeah, I mean, well, literally, a throwback. I mean, literally, because he's, he's 40, so he's, well, he, well, he comes 40. from a different era. He's the last active cricketer to have played Test cricket in the 90s. Great. So that. he made his debut in 1999. So this is very much, we keep talking, you know, very wistfully about the end of eras, but it does feel like a bit of an end of an era in a way. But yeah, well, although the weird thing about Harath is that he made his debut in the 90s, but then he didn't play for ages. And he really only came back into the team in, I think, 2009. He actually took most of his wickets after the age of 35. So he, um, he's got 430 test wickets, which puts him... 10th on the all-time list and he could go up one or even two places if he has a good game in goal uh, but yeah the most impressive thing there is that of those 430 test wickets 230 were taken after the age of 35 so there's time for you yet tone for sure if you get in the nets over the winter no he is someone who really kind of burst back into life isn't he and uh yeah just a, a kind of a bit of a, a mean machine in his older years uh i don't you know i guess someone who just you grew into his role and grew into kind of what he was trying to do. Well, and the retirement of Murali, I guess, opened up the spot True. inside for him and, you know, gave him the the number one role. And he sort of, he seemed to revel in that responsibility and maybe coming out from Murali's shadow. It's a it's a Stuart McGill situation in that you do wonder, well, how many wickets would Harath have taken if Murali had retired five years before? Could Harath might not have 800 wickets, but he'd have even more and 430 is already a lot. He's a legend, really, isn't he? It's, it is it is a, a sad day. So aside from, from him, maybe, and, and one or two others, on paper, not an outstanding Sri Lanka side, but crucially, they have got home advantage. We know how important that is all over the world in Test cricket. But yeah, you look, Sri Lanka's last series at home, South Africa, who were a pretty decent side, uh, turned up in July and got absolutely spanked. So yeah, it's 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 a tough assignment for England, uh, however you slice it, really. Yeah, and you know, we're only a... a- when we record this, there's been one day of of this first tour match. Uh, but even you know, England sort of slightly struggled to take wickets, particularly early on. So, yeah, it's not going to be an easy task by any means. Could go either way. Well, that's my question, really, Ted. I'm going <laughs> to force you off that fence uh, and get you to make a prediction. What do you think is going to happen in this series? What's, what's the Where's weather your like? Money? What is the weather like? <laughs> I, You're I the know. climate guy. Google it. A cop out, one all. Obviously, that's the prediction that I'm going to make yeah. as well. That's exactly what I was going to say. Well, there um, we go. You obviously saw my notes. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Uh, yeah, that's, that's the funniest thing I've heard all year, Tone. <laughs> notes. That's no, just they're more in the, the free form. They're not limited to words on paper. 
I mean, I think if you look, if you just look at the teams on paper, I think England are a little bit stronger, and that doesn't necessarily say a lot because I'm, as we've talked about endlessly, I don't know that England are a great test team at the moment, but I would say they they've got the stronger outfit. But the home advantage does really even things up and perhaps even tilt it towards Sri Lanka. So I think it could be a really good contest. And yeah, I think I, I'm I'm going to go for one all as well. I, I like to do something different to you, but I I really don't think I can in in this case. And I don't know how Sri Lanka are eyeing this up, but you know, for them, it is an opportunity, isn't it, to 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 get a really positive result. They'll be, I think, quite excited to to get into the new guys and uh, and and get you know stuck into a team that perhaps doesn't really know what it wants to be at the moment. Well, it's a big deal as well. It should be a big deal. England England don't go there often, or they haven't gone there for a long time, and you know they actually don't host that many Test series. Full stop. So you know it it should be a big deal. Might not. That might not uh, translate into, you know, bums on seats in the grounds, but um, there should hopefully be a bit of a buzz on the island. Are you excited now, Tone? <laughs> Gathering momentum, I'd say, yeah. <laughs> I really think that vampire costume has just put a downer on It's really full of flat, isn't it? Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, so well, a couple of other things to talk about tonight. Uh, firstly, I want to talk about some guy called Virat Kohli. There's been a bit of chat flying around this week to the effect that Kohli might already be the greatest ODI batsman of all time. Now, this is because India are playing a, a home series against West Indies at the moment, and Kohli scored hundreds in each of the first three ODIs. And in the process, he became the fastest player to pass 10,000 ODI runs beating the record set by Sachin Tendulkar back in 2001. So Sachin did it in 259 innings. Kohli's done it in 205 innings. Uh, these were his 36th, 37th and 38th ODI centuries. He's only behind Tendulkar on the century list now. He's still 11 behind him, but he's played less than half the number of matches. He's got eight more centuries than Ricky Ponting now in third. Uh, and he's. <laughs> this is quite an astonishing stat. He's got double the number of centuries that Brian Lara got in 85 fewer games. So, I mean, these are crazy stats really, Tane. And here's another one. Uh, <laughs> he's now averaging just a fraction under 60 in ODI cricket, which is miles better than anyone else ever in ODI history, apart from one other guy. Now, this is someone who played, who's played nowhere near the number of matches as Coley or, or anyone else at the top of the tree, but he does have a better average than Cody, the best ODI average in history. Can you guess who oh, it is? Oh, I looked this up the other day. Oh. I was looking, but I can't remember who it was. <laughs> I was going to say after all that build-up, but actually I was really disappointed that you, uh, you knew the answer, but this is even better. 
Because you should know the answer. Oh, I can't remember. <laughs> go on, go on, go on. No, I can hear, I can hear that. Um, Put me out my misery. He plays for an associate side and in county cricket. You really look puzzled. I can't, I can't remember. Ryan Tenderscarter. Oh, I did, the, I did know that. Well, why didn't you say yeah, it? Yeah, I just wanted to... Yeah, you'd, you'd obviously built that up in your head <laughs> ahead of coming down here tonight, so I didn't want didn't to you know, ruin your big moment. I really <laughs> got a kick out of you not knowing the answer to that. So those are the stats. What do you think, Tone? You've, been, you've maybe been slow to warm up to Coley in the past, but where are you now? In ODI cricket, let's leave Test cricket and T20 cricket actually out of it, because that's an interesting aspect of, of the Coley debate in general, is actually his... It's surprising, but his T20 record isn't actually that as good as you might expect or as good as yeah. it is in, in ODI cricket. But um, in ODI cricket, in isolation, is he the GOAT? <sighs> so, yeah, when you say I'm a bit slow to to catch on to this Coley thing, I, I, yeah, I think I did the same with Leo Messi. I think I sort of wrote him off. Well, I didn't write him off, but I sort of tried to... <laughs> to play down the uh, the excitement early on. Because you thought that made you uh, cool. I just think let's wait. You know, I always think let's not rush into things. Let's wait and see. Uh, that's why, yeah, you've made a lot of money out of Bitcoin and I am still <laughs> watching on. Uh, you know, just let's see what happens. Let's see if it takes off. I don't know. No, I, yeah, he's probably very much in the top upper echelons of the conversation, isn't he? Uh, yeah, ast- astonishing stats. You know, some yeah, a couple of big centuries as well in... Uh, in this series yeah some of the stats were that, were, that were getting banded around are pretty astonishing I, I saw a few, you know a few people kind of working the numbers a bit suggesting that you know to look at certainly you would say uh that ab de villiers would probably be near to him in that conversation I mean, statistics wise slightly different but you know i've seen some stats that suggest that that those two perhaps of the the sort of i guess the super modern era uh would be the the two you know right at the top of the conversation yeah, De Villiers is the only other modern player who's like on the same planet as Coley. And De Villiers as well, just, you know, a slightly different player, more explosive. But but I don't know, Coley's just looking <laughs> scarily uh, imperious at the moment. And, and, you know, and this is coming off the back of, of him having a fantastic series in Test Cricket in England as well. And Yeah, true. He, he's yeah. just on a different level at and the moment. Changing the conversation a bit about his, his uh, Test credentials. Yeah, although... In some ways, it's a slightly curious time to be making this argument, or rather it's a <laughs> sort of weird way of putting it. It was like a slightly unfortunate time for him to have broken this record and you know set, every, set this conversation in motion because hundreds in India against a very average West Indies team doth not the GOAT make necessarily. But however you look at those stats, they're pretty powerful. And I think you, you've got to say... I think you'd be crazy to say like if he's not the greatest already he's at least in the conversation or he's he's on the way to getting there if he continues at current trajectory i mean i suppose the the argument against it as well as you know maybe you can manipulate some stats in different ways to to make cases for specific other players like de villiers but the main argument against cody being the goat and i'm far from the first person to sort of articulate this um is that next to sachin and gilchrist and Ponting and Viv Richards going back, you know, the quality of bowling that Coley has had to face just isn't comparable. And we've, you know, we've talked we've talked in a very nostalgic way on the show recently, Tone. So there's a, undoubtedly an element of that that I just remember 
I remember maybe too fondly the era of cricket when I was growing up and potentially see some of those bowlers through sort of rose tinted glasses. But nonetheless, I, I, I'm not sure how, you know, I'm not sure that is completely true. And I just find it hard to kind of escape the feeling that the bowling around the world now is just not on the same level that it was in the 90s. And I think sort of objectively, statistically, that is also true. But, you know, you just think about the names, you know, Wackar, Wasim, Pollock, Donald, Ambrose, Walsh, McGrath, Warren, Murali. You know, in this series, Coley's facing Ashley Nurse. And all right, there's one particular series against a, a particularly average West Indies team, but you know what I mean. And it's not to say that he wouldn't have scored runs against those other bowlers that I mentioned and it's not his fault that he hasn't had the opportunity to face them but it's just tough for me I think to to swallow the idea that he's a better batsman than Sachin because it's apples and oranges almost um yeah I mean I guess the argument against that uh is that you know why aren't other players making hay in the same way I mean you know in the last two years he averages 93 in ODI cricket he's got uh, around about 400 runs more than than Rohit, uh, who, you know, in the same number of matches. Only really Root is kind of near to, to 2000. You know, so he, you know, he is, I guess, by far and away the most successful ODI batsman in the last couple of years and, and going back probably a couple more as well. So that would be one argument. And, you know, last winter he did, I think he made four, I think I'm looking at the numbers now. Uh, he made four centuries in six innings in New Zealand and South Africa. So not to say that that uh, you know that, that their yeah bowling lineups are comparable maybe to the great bowlers of of you know your uh, post Atherton dreams, uh, <laughs> but still you know very good ODI teams and and good ODI bowling attacks. No, that's absolutely true, and also you know tougher conditions maybe for batsmen generally and for a batsman like Kohli than in India against West Indies and. And it's absolutely true to say that, you know, he's performing at such a level, like if it was simply the case that bowling is weaker now and that explains everything, well, why why isn't everyone else producing those kinds of numbers or why aren't other players at least close to him? As we say, the only one even on the same planet is De Villiers. It's a bit like Bradman, isn't it? When you, when you, It's sort of hard to imagine how good Bradman was and you can say, well, it's just such a different era, such different pitches. Like presumably if you transported Bradman into this era he wouldn't be that good because he w- wouldn't have been facing bowlers of the quality or the pace or et cetera, et cetera, different pitches, whatever. But then he was still averaging 45, 50 runs more than anyone else. He was so much better than anyone else in his era that he must have been that good, if you see what I mean. And I guess the other point is that it's the size of these records or the, the gaps between him and the players whose records he's breaking. So... You know, it's forty. He's done. He's got to ten thousand runs forty-five innings quicker than Tendulkar, which lops off almost a fifth of the number of innings. So he's not just breaking these records; he's absolutely obliterating them. And therefore, you know, while I I do still have that reservation about the quality of bowling, or it's not. It's like, I don't even know if it's quality of bowling. Like that might be a bit harsh on bowlers of this era because it's also things like power plays and two new balls and all those sorts of things that mean that also mean that. England are setting world record team totals that are just beyond the wildest dreams of Australia from 15 years ago with Hayden and Gilchrist and Ponting, etc. And that that's it's absurd, the idea that Jason Roy and Alex Hale's brilliant batsmen, though they are, are better than those players. So 
it's just easier to be a batsman now than it was 15, 20 years ago. But leaving that aside, for all the reasons that we've said, that isn't enough to explain what Cody's doing. And so while there is still that reservation, and I will, I think, still hold tight on declaring him the greatest, he's undoubtedly in the conversation. And yeah, I mean... I'll put it this way. He'd, he'd be in my composite 11 now, I think. All-time ODI composite 11. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and he's got those runs at over 100 strike rate, uh, which, you know, compares very favourably to most of the other batsmen, you know, who've scored more than 1,000 runs in the last couple of years. Well, you know, he scores his runs quicker than than, than Rohit, and, you know, you, you would, that's quite surprising almost, to me anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Because you know, because you know, every time I check, like I look at a score, yeah, Sharma's got 150 off like 105 balls. Well, that's kind of the genius of Cody, though, isn't it? Because yeah. he's not he he's not necessarily playing ramp shots and spanking it out of the park, is he? He's, that's the second time I've used the word spanking on this episode. <laughs> I never use the word spanking. Yeah, he's he's uh, he's playing cover drives, and yeah, he can play those shots, but he's generally playing more orthodox and kind of beautiful cricket shots and that you know i suppose for that's another reason why people might say he's the goat coley in the last two years can you tell what i put into cricket info <laughs> uh coley in the last two years has hit 35 sixes uh and 253 fours sharma 81 sixes and rohit's the second got the second most runs and the second best average as well in the last couple of years did you google virat coley stats sixes goat Sharma online website. That's yeah, exactly, and this is what came up. I'm just reading <laughs> what came up. Uh, well, very quickly, Tone. We're kind of running out of time here, but um, so, so so therefore, let's dive into a discussion about Australia's cricket <laughs> culture. Uh, no, well, maybe we could just touch on you this now. And, uh, <laughs> you would say that, Tone. You're a vampire. You'll be up all night. Yeah, but uh, but some of us have got to go to work in the morning. Well, no, let's just very quickly. Maybe we could just touch on this now and, and come back to it in more depth next time but yeah there's the, a big report has come out uh about the ball tampering scandal I'll, probably easiest if i just quickly read this article from bbc news to put us all yeah. on the same page this was actually one of the top stories on the bbc news website the other day it's somehow much to bump off the uh, all the basketball and nfl news that now populates the bbc sport homepage. well no, this was bbc news not just bbc sport right it was bumping off like bake-off and Brexit and uh, all that kind of stuff. But again, you know, maybe going to show, we talked about this when we when we discussed the ball tampering scandal at the time. It was pretty astonishing just what a big story it was and it, it continues to, to, to be that big. This is the headline from BBC News. Cricket Australia, quote, partly to blame in ball tampering scandal. A scathing review into Australian cricket has condemned a, quote, winning without counting the costs culture that left players in a catchy <laughs> that left players in a quote gilded bubble. The independent report was commissioned by Cricket Australia after a ball tampering scandal rocked the test team in South Africa in March. The review found that Cricket Australia was partly to blame and viewed more widely as quote arrogant and controlling. The governing body said it would accept most of the report's recommendations. Responsibility for the larger picture lies with Cricket Australia and not just the players held directly <laughs> responsible for the appalling incidents at Newlands, said the report released on Monday. The report may fuel calls for the three-player suspensions to be reduced, Australian media reported. The 145-page review is conducted by a not-for-profit organisation, The Ethics Centre. Its other findings included 
One, that players were frequently pushed to play the mongrel, often against their nature. Two, they operated in a bubble, disconnected for much of each year from families, friends and the grounding influence of community. Three, Cricket Australia reverted to bully tactics or worse, ostracising when situations went against them, according to one unnamed insider. And it goes on really, Tone, but this is, uh, that's the gist. Thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it's been interesting. So is it the uh, the head of the Players Association in Australia has called for uh, the ban, oh, obviously Bancroft's ban is a bit shorter, but for, for Smith and Warner's ban to be, well, lifted mm. now, basically <laughs> excusing them of any wrongdoing on the basis that, yeah, the Australian board or, or yeah, Cricket Australia was, you know, all of what you've just said, uh, which I, I, that doesn't really make any sense to me, you know, like, I don't think you could absolve the individuals of, of personal responsibility. Yeah, well, well, that's that's a big sort of uh, moral discussion, isn't it? But I guess I guess the argument for lifting the bans would be well, if cricket Australia, if cricket Australia were almost sanctioning this, or not necessarily specifically sanctioning this, but if they were encouraging players to push the boundaries, push the limits, play the mongrel, you know, to to do whatever it takes to win. If they were sort of almost tacitly saying that they accepted that kind of behaviour and then when it was exposed, they threw them under the bus. Is it actually the players' fault or is Cricket Australia to blame? Should Cricket well, yeah, Australia have taken the fall rather than the players? Well, and the bans are from the board, aren't well, they? Well, exactly. So yeah. then the board to turn around and say, you know, this is completely outrageous and ban them for a year. Well, I mean, I, yeah, I don't think the necessarily the board have, have responded to this review in you know in maybe the, the right way uh what was the quote something like it's an exciting opportunity <laughs> <laughs> he said is it the chairman of cricket or something? uh so yeah he said we are very committed to moving the game forward and using this review as a platform to do that chairman david peaver said which is yeah i, I don't know it, it shirks responsibility slightly but then again, I, I don't know. Who know? I, I haven't read the full review. I know quite a lot of it was redacted. But I, I, you know, I don't know. Did they get to the? Did they hear evidence that suggested that that Cricket Australia had said to, essentially said to the players, you know, go yeah. ahead and and tamper with the ball. Well, yeah, I don't know because there are, yeah, there are lines, obviously, aren't there? And you know, you could be as you're demanding from your players and. Uh, yeah, encouraging them as they, in their own words, to play the mongrel, but that doesn't necessarily mean that you're you're, in, you're telling them to cheat in that way. No, absolutely, and that, that's why you know I'm sort of playing devil's advocate before, but I, I'm not convinced that 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 it is enough of an argument. But then what? To then, overturn the bans because yeah, they, unless they were specifically saying we want you to tamper with the ball, it's it sounds more like they were just they want them to play sort of aggressive yeah. cricket and behave aggressively on the field which they did to um, me though logically logically though the the extrapolation of that if you said well the cricket australia should lift the bans on the the players involved they should take responsibility then the icc needs to ban cricket australia for a year from men's cricket do you know what i mean which it just is that's kind of not feasible i guess particularly in a world cup and ashes year yeah but, but, well, but, no, but this is the point though because i, I it's not that I think they should lift the bans, it's that I don't think they should have given them the bans in the first place, or at least not the bans that they gave them. Like, as we discussed at the time, to me, it was just a spectacular overreaction to give them, like, year-long bans. There were some punishments that needed to be given. Uh, this is, it was not 
ever to say that what they did was acceptable or to condone it. But to ban Steve Smith for a year for that, to me, was insane. And, you know, we don't need to go into it. People can go and listen to that episode if they're interested, which they're almost certainly not. But I would support lifting the bans just because I don't think they should have had the bans in the first place, but not specifically because of this review. And, you know, it's interesting, isn't it, that we've, this week, Warner and Smith have been playing uh, sort of state cricket, not state cricket, grade cricket. Yeah. You know, Warner, one stage in a match last weekend or in, in the last week, left the field, asked to leave the field, I think, you know, off the back of some some verbals from, uh, you know, one of the opposition players. And, you know, reading Root's comments today, you, you know, he, he was saying about the sort of reaction that potentially is going to come Warner and Smith's way next summer. It's going to be a really interesting, really yeah. interesting one. It's because it's going to be brutal. It is, isn't it? Yeah, I mean... I, They're going to be walking straight back into England, basically, for yeah, for a World Cup and an Ashes. I mean... I, well, they're obviously going to get a lot of abuse, aren't they? But, yeah. you know, that's sort of par for the course. But it'll be interesting to see what the reception of Australian fans is because I felt in March that everyone had you know, sort of collectively taken leave of their senses or just gotten very overexcited about the whole thing. I've wondered if by sort of now temperatures would have cooled a little bit. But I don't know if that's the case. I don't know if, if people are sort of ready to forgive them yet. So yeah, it's going to be interesting to see once uh, once the, the bans have elapsed, whether they're sort of welcomed back with open arms. I get the feeling that Warner won't be. I think there will be a difference between Smith and Warner and Bancroft, I suppose, but I don't know whether he'll get back in the team anyway. But, you know, Smith definitely will come back and and people may welcome him back because uh, it does seem as more has become known you know there's questions about what smith's role actually was but whether warner will come back i i don't know and they play india don't they in the, in the home series for starting in, the, in december do you think there's any chance of them or one either or all three being back for that i think it's unlikely just because they've you know they've set their stall out now and i think it would be seen as a climb down and maybe even like a endorsement of what they did or like an acceptance that actually what they did wasn't that bad, which I don't think they want to do, especially in light of this review. So while some people are saying this review means that they should lift the bans, Cricket Australia might well see it as well. You know, this report has been so damning that if we can't do anything that's seen to condone the kind of behaviour that was going on before. So yeah, I, I think it's probably unlikely, but yeah, I mean, in theory, they'll be back for the world cup, won't they? In the ashes. Um, I don't know. That's my conclusion. I think it's a fair conclusion. <laughs> well concluded. Uh, all right, <laughs> should we wrap it up? I haven't really got a razor sharp satirical wow. line here. Just ran out of that, time. I think that might be the first time in the history of the pod. <laughs> should we just? Should we but, just call it? I, a don't day? Know, I don't know what to say. Really? Have you had fun tonight? No, it's been good. It's been good. Bit of cricket. Well, I mean, it's a bit of cricket to watch, isn't it? Bit of looking mm. forward to a bit of test cricket. I'm excited. Yeah. I know it's been ages. No. See, you are excited. Yeah. Yes. My work here is done. What's going on with you, Tom? What's going on this week? It's cold out. Have you noticed that? Chilly. Have you noticed this? It's got cold. Um, how are you coping with the sudden drop in temperature? It's <laughs> 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 just so bored. <laughs> no. I mean, it is late. I've had quite a long, uh, quite a long few days. Yeah. And I, uh, that was quite a boring question as well. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That was my response. <laughs> a gaping yawn. 
Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's chilly, isn't it? It is chilly. <laughs> we, well, I mean, you know, we've had some exciting developments, which we'll fill you in on, listeners, at some point soon. But we're going to be... I don't know. We mentioned we're going to be going to watch some actual cricket next year. Uh, next I year. think we vaguely hinted yeah, at it. Alluded yeah. to the fact, yeah. We're just dropping a, a trail of breadcrumbs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. For the listeners to put together. Yeah. But yeah, it's all coming together, isn't it? All right, well, that's about it. Uh, for this edition of the World Cricket Show, but we're going to be back in a in a couple of weeks' time with a review of the first test uh, of the Sri Lanka England series. Between now and then, if you enjoy what we do, there are various ways that you can get more involved on the internet. We're on social media. We're on Twitter at Cricket Show. We're on Facebook at facebook.com/slash Cricket Show. We're on Instagram at World Cricket Show. Uh, and if you feel like supporting the show, please do. One of the best ways is simply to give us a rating or better yet, a review on iTunes or whatever podcast platform you use. And you can support us financially as well. If you go to our website, cricketshow.net and follow the links there to all the various ways uh, that you can support us, Patreon, uh, when you're doing your Amazon shopping, etc. And yeah, we had a production meeting the other day, Tone. I feel like we say this a lot, but we've got big plans. We have. And I've actually, like, I'm populating my diary for the <laughs> yeah. first time ever. Like, so I knew tonight was happening, for example, <laughs> days in advance, which is, uh, yeah, I think it's proved useful. <laughs> I think you'd, you'll notice an upturn in my performance as a result. You've got everything in the diary. What was it you had in the diary? You had something in the, your diary that was like, why have you got that in your diary? Me going away or something like yeah, that. Yeah, very specific. <laughs> Just tracking me. Um, oh, well, speaking of things in the diary, uh, don't forget as well that we do have other podcasts, including a podcast about movies. The Little Film Podcast uh, has got a new episode out, actually on the same day, I think, as this World Cricket Show episode. It's been a fun week, Tone. It's been a fun week of editing. Uh, it's just the problem, isn't it? Films keep coming out that we want to review. And I can't really, as you've said before, I just can't, you know, we can't really say no. When friends are like, should we review this one? We've got to review Norbit. It's like, well, yeah, no, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I can't really say no to that. No, it's been good. I've really, uh, I've seen way more films this year than uh, in recent years. Mm. So that's positive. You got to go and see Fantastic Beasts soon. Yeah, I don't know anything about it. That's what was in your diary: the release yeah. date for Fantastic Beasts. I, I quite literally don't know anything about it. It's Harry Potter. So I need that. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Harry Potter. Go on then. <laughs> right. had that nothing. seems like a good time to leave it. <laughs> I don't know what. Yeah, I don't know what's going on anymore. All right, stay in school, everyone, and we will see you soon. Bye bye for now. Cherry. Oh, How long was that? Can smell your fear. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.